Amen? Amen. Guys, would you grab hold of a Bible, make your way this morning to 2 Corinthians. We are in uh, chapter 8 this morning uh, as we continue our verse-by-verse study of this book, and we're inviting you to be there. We hope you brought a Bible, and you're making your way there now. If you didn't bring a Bible, there are Bibles in front of you and the chairs in front of you. Grab one of those. Join us this morning in this space where God would meet you. If you want to use an electronic device and have a Bible app open, do that. One way or another, let it be that God and his word would speak to you this morning. True in this room, true in our overflow, true online. We invite you to have a copy of the scriptures. That you would follow with us and that God would speak to you through the authority of his word. We're going to take a moment and pray for that, but before we do that, just a quick FYI, kind of a almost repetition if you were here last week, we've been making our way verse by verse through 2 Corinthians. That's where we are. We're in a specific section, uh, chapters 8 and 9, that deal with the subject of giving and, and deal with the subject of money, and that's always a little bit of a challenge. I just want to kind of own that at the outset. It's not necessarily like one of those topics that I'd be like, oh, this is going to be a great topic, uh, but I recognize it's good. I'm not embarrassed by it at all. It's a good space, but I find it helpful just to say one more time, why are we talking about this this morning? Well, that's because it's the next verses in our section. There's no ulterior motive. There's not any kind of, you know, giving campaign here. There's not any kind of space we're trying to manipulate you out of something. One of the beautiful spaces of just teaching verse by verse through the Bible is you cover everything God wants you to talk about, and you cover it in, in the way that he wants you to say it. So that's what we're doing this morning. The other thing I want to just quickly affirm, uh, again, that anytime I talk about this, it's helpful just to say, hey, one of the ways we've oriented uh, our fellowship uh, is we have a group of people who oversee that, who collect the offerings and count them and, and, and take care of that stuff, and I don't, and I absolutely have no idea. Uh, we've made it in such a way that for me as a pastor, I don't know who gives, I don't know who doesn't give, I don't know how much you give, and that's just a really good space. And so I just want you to own this with me right now. I have no idea. So if you think I know, if you think I'm looking at you and giving you like the evil eye, you know, like, I know who you are. Uh, I am not. I don't have any idea. And I don't want to know. This isn't between you and me. Uh, This is between you and God. And I just want to invite you to that space that you would just say, okay, God, this is just, would you talk to me? Would you talk to me through your word? And so I want to invite you into that. Let's go before him now in prayer and ask that he would give us ears to hear that very reality. Father, right now we take a moment before we dive into this section, and I just begin by saying your word is good. Everything you tell us is good. Everything you tell us is necessary. There's not anything that we could disregard. It would only be to our own hurt and loss. We step towards this section and want to hear your voice. I think about just that reality that you know us. Some of us are reading uh, through the scriptures together, and and so we're in Revelation today, and just that repeated affirmation, you know us, you know our works, and at the end of every one of those letters, Jesus, that you write in the first, the the chapters two and three of Revelation, it simply says, to him who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church, and we just want to position ourselves there right now. God, to hear you, to hear what you're saying, what you're saying to us, what you're saying to your people, I believe. I believe in your ability to do that this morning. I believe in your ability to speak and simply would ask that you would help us to hear what you have, what you would say, what what you would speak into our lives right now. We ask for favor. We ask for your help in that as we surrender this time to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The best way to give advice is not to give it. Hey, I don't know if you've heard that. That's become almost an adage in our day. And it's not altogether unfounded. Here's the problem. Uh, The Bible prophesies in the last days that knowledge would increase, and that's taking place in exponential ways. You live in days of prophetic fulfillment where things are happening, they're fulfilling it, but there's a danger. There's a danger to the explosion of information, to the explosion of knowledge. It has made us opinionated and arrogant and offended like never before in the history of mankind. So simply put, we feel like we know everything, more than anybody's ever known before. And so sometimes it becomes in this place where everybody has an opinion. 
and everybody's sharing that opinion, and it's actually worked its way into our culture where people are listening less and less. Hey, there are exceptions to that. The exceptions are when somebody really knows you, takes time to know you and care about you, that opens up that door. The other thing that really opens up is when that person really is wise, when they, when they really do have wisdom. I, I don't know why it is in the back of my mind when I think about telling you what I'm telling you. I don't know why 30-year-old commercials stick in your head when I can't remember things from last week, but I kind of remember one of those commercials like when you know, like E.F. Hutton, e. Hutton speaks, everybody listens kind of deal. Hey, great commercial, by the way. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, so sorry. Don't even need to go there. But um, there is that space of just, hey, when someone, when someone who's wise is speaking, we should listen this morning. God wants to give you advice. God wants to give you advice through the Apostle Paul. That's exactly how it begins. Why don't you notice it there uh, as it kind of gives it to us there in verse 10, just those first few words. He says, and in this, I give advice. That's just profound. I just want you to hear it, that, that this is Paul speaking to us, but this is God. This is God speaking through the authority of his word, and yet how gracious. I mean, he could have just said, I'm speaking to you by demand. I'm just telling you exactly what you need to do. And in some ways it is because God's God, but he comes in the most gracious way right now. He says, I just want to give you some advice. Like you and I are sitting down over a cup of coffee and I'm just, want to, just going to give you some advice you need to think about. And that's how God wants to speak to you this morning, especially as we think about giving, as we think about how that works. And so in this, this way this morning, I want to invite you to hear it. Okay, before we get into our section, though, a couple other preliminaries. Just a reminder, the specific circumstance that's being dealt with here in uh, 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 is that Paul is taking up a collection. He's taking up a collection throughout the Gentile churches to take it over to Israel because the persecution is particularly bad in that space. And so he's taking that up and he's speaking to them about that. Now that's helpful to understand. If you don't get that, some of it won't make sense. But it's still through this we get a window that helps us to see all of that. Tithes, offering, giving, however you want to define it, uh, that there is a space that by seeing it through this lens, it would help us understand what that would look like in our lives. Well, here again, he's going to give us advice, but it comes on the heels of what we talked about last week. So just a quick reminder, uh, if you weren't here in the first part of this chapter, he reminded us that giving is grace. It is grace. God has given us everything. We could give him nothing that he hasn't first given to us. And there's a space of both living in that acknowledgement that it's God's blessing upon our lives, that it would be that way. And he's simply calling us to simple faithfulness that is freely willing, intentional, that it would flow out of our hearts because we're purposely wanting to do it intentionally, giving it out of our own space, not required, but freely giving. It is fellowship of the saints, but it is first to God. It is primarily to him and something we should grow in. But as we ended last week, one of the key factors in this is it shows us us. Jesus said it this way. He said, for where your treasure is, your heart is. That in one sense, how we handle money tells us a lot more about our soul than anything else. That how it just deals with us, shows us where we are, and it's right for us to hear it. Well, we talked about all of that last week, and so if you missed that and you want to go back and get that, it's online. Uh, you can catch the, the, the videos or the audio and, and pick that up, but on the heels of that, now he wants to give us a little bit of advice. A few things, really three or four things that just would flow to us in, in, in a way that would just allow that to work into our lives, and so that's exactly what we want to hear. Notice it with me. Again, verse 10. He says, and in this I give advice. It is to your advantage, not only to be doing what you began and were desiring to do a year ago, but now that you must complete the doing of it as there was readiness and a desire, so that there might also be a completion out of what you have. For if there is first a willing mind, it is accepted according to what one has, not according to what he does not have. Hey, pause there and just understand this. Paul's first piece of advice, God's advice to us, is to be willing and doing. They had been willing. Uh, this announcement that Paul had brought to the churches of a special offering that he was taking up, they'd heard it a year ago. And they had said, hey, count us in. 
Like, hey, we'd like to do that too. Count us in that space. Like, we would like to be involved in that. And so now he's coming to him in the most simple way and says, hey, you are willing. Now make sure you're doing. Uh, and make sure that you, that you complete what you've desired to do. Make sure that you continue in what that would look like. You had been willing, but now you, you, you need to make sure that that follows through. It's a simple admonition, but so needed to hear because we live in a space of that danger of living in good intentions. You know what I mean, right? We have, we, have, we have lives that are death by a thousand good intentions. Things that we intend to do, like, hey, I, I, one of these days I'm gonna start doing that. One of these days uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna do that. And sometimes it's to the detriment of our souls. And sometimes to the detriment of our souls. I think about it this way. I found myself thinking of that adage that simply said, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. And it's worth even just pausing and saying, hey, this is true and it's so much bigger uh, than just giving or anything else. In fact, you might be here and this is exactly you. Like you're not yet a follower of Jesus, but you're thinking about it. You're like, hey, you know, one of these days I'm gonna get right with him. Like one of these days I'm actually gonna get around to do it. And the scary thing for some people, they don't know their heart is hardening every day and, and they're gonna end their days with never fulfilling that good intention, never getting right with Jesus. And we just wanna plead with you today, that would not be you. If you're here today and you're like, well, I should maybe get right with God. You should get right with God today. Like the time is short and the, and the space is limited. You should get right with him today and we plead with that. But with that, let's again continue. That's true for all of our lives. One of the great things that just really does rob us spiritually is that sometimes we think about a lot of things that we never actually do. Uh, and, and because we think about it, we feel good about it. Like, hey, I'm gonna do that. We say, hey, make sure, especially in this, you don't just talk about it, you don't just think about it. If you've thought about it, make sure you're gonna continue to complete that. And, and so in giving, it would become that way, that it would be this place that what we're intending to do, we actually follow through on. Now, in that, he gives us a couple quick thoughts that are just fascinating nuggets. So, Willing, uh, to be willing to do what God has for us to do, to give, that's the first priority. In fact, back up there to the, in verse three of our chapter, um, he says it this way, he says, for I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, beyond their ability, they were freely willing. He says, hey, here's this space that people did this, why? Because they wanted to. Because it rose out of their heart, they, they, they wanted to do this, they wanted that to be a part of that. And then in verse 12, he says this. He says, for if there is first a willing mind. Hey, pause there. First. Hey, first is in one sense a, a priority. Like if it's gonna be good, it has to begin there. Uh, it has to begin there. That's just true. First is that idea of priority, but it also helps us to understand its necessity. One of the things that's important to understand is that there's a space of doing without willing that has no good bearing into it. We talked about this a little bit more last week, but let me just say it very, very carefully. If you do anything for God, but you're not really wanting to do it, you're doing it for the wrong reasons, it's not pleasing to him. Hey, for there are people that probably give lots of money at times, and Jesus would talk about it in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, hey, if you were doing it for, for, for pleasing people, you were doing it for your pride, you have your reward. That's the end of it. It has no, it doesn't mean anything to me because you didn't mean it. You, 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 you may have done it, but you didn't mean it. And, and so that doesn't have value. It needs to begin in this space where it's arising from our heart to say that it is that. So essential is this that God tells us something quite profound. You, you read it with me a moment ago, but go back and see it. Verse 12, for if there's first a willing mind, it is accepted according to what one has and not according to what he does not have. Hey, if you do, if you do anything, uh, you give without being willing, it's nothing. But if you are willing, but you don't have the ability, there's something there. Something there that God highly regards and rewards. Hey, probably best seen in the widow's might, right? You, you maybe know the story, Jesus is there. And it says he looked up and he saw the rich putting in their gifts uh, into the treasury. And he saw a certain poor woman putting in two mites, I mean pennies, in, in so many ways. And he said, so he said, truly I say to you, this widow has put in more than all. Wait a second. I mean, here's the danger. You might know this, but it's a wild thing. 
This widow put in more. She put in pennies. I mean, how are pennies going to make a difference in the kingdom of God? How are pennies going to, you know, feed the poor or, you know, to supply money to the missionaries? I mean, how is that valuable? Jesus says it was more valuable. Because right now, I'm not, I'm not counting her based on what she has. I'm seeing her heart. And I want to tell you, that's, that is so much more valuable. Hey, the same thing sometimes is true of us. We find ourselves looking at the needs that are in the world, and maybe you literally have found yourself thinking, I'm not a millionaire. I mean, I wish I was. I mean, I wish I had millions to, you know, do good things in the world. I don't. And what I have feels so small. It feels so insignificant. Like, how does that do anything good? And at times, it can cause us to step back from just being obedient. And, And Jesus is telling us, and this is telling us, hey, this is good for us. Hey, that there's a space that if we have this willing mind, he, he accepts that. He, he takes that and counts it to our account in an incredibly powerful way. Hey, so the first piece of advice, hey, yeah, if there's that willingness, make sure you follow through. Make sure that it doesn't just live in that space of in good intentions, that you find yourself saying, God, I, wanna, I wanna want to do the right things and I wanna see those things take place even in this. Well, add to that, he tells it this way in beginning in verse 13. He says, For I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened, but in quality, that now at this time your abundance may supply their lack, that their abundance also may supply your lack, that there may be equality. As it is written, he who gathered much had nothing left over, and he who gathered little had no lack. So the second piece of advice is that he's wanting us to see this in a part of the fellowship of the saints, that we are to see what this looks like, and we need to back up a little bit to what we talked about last week, that when we think about giving, it is surely first of all to God. That's what he told us back in verse 5, and so you can scan back there for a moment. He says, not only as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord, and then to us by the will of God. Like, that's how God really wants it. Hey, so when we think about giving, and we think about giving, you know, financial, whatever it is, it is first of all to be us saying to God, hey, God, this is for you. God, I'm giving this to you because I love you. I want you to be the first thing in my life. It is needing to be that way, and it's supposed to be that way. But there is a second part of it. It is part of the fellowship of the saints. He says, then you're giving it to us, or even back up to verse 4. He is imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. So when we think about giving financially and, and, and what that looks like, there is a practical part that we're a part then of what God is doing. I mean, I know this makes sense, but let's just kind of just be very, very practical about this for a moment. If you give here, then yeah, of course, your, your finances, they help, you know, I mean, pay for whatever is here, whether it be, you know, put, turning the lights on or running a heater or supplying salaries or doing that. There is a space that we're connecting to what God's doing. If we're supplying money to missionaries on the field, we're supporting them on the field. And part of giving is that. It is this space where we are meant to see, hey, that we're, that we're together, we're serving together, and it's to do that. So much so, he says, if we do this well, it's as if we're supporting this so that there would be an equality. There would be an equality. Okay, can we just pause right there? I mean, he used that word twice in the verse, and I don't know about anybody this morning. It may have been like one of those hot button words. You're like, oh, I don't like that word, Pastor Jim. Like, I don't like, I mean, I don't, I don't like that word. And you know what? You would be right because our culture has so messed it up. We, we look at it in the ver- world's version of equality. Can we just say it in the most simple way? It is both sinful and destructive. If you look at our world and we think about things that have happened over the last three, four years, we think about things like critical race theory. Uh, we think about equanimity. We think about overtaxing the wealthy. I just want to tell you what you probably know, that we don't need to spend much time on this and just simply say, hey, that's not working out really well. I mean, it's not that we'd look at our culture and say, oh, we are such, you know, we're so much better off today than we were three or four years ago because we, we're all trying to see each other as equals. It's going the other way. I mean, I don't know. I'm not, not a prophet. I'm not, you know, somebody speaking. I just want to tell you, it's not gone well. Uh, we are not a more united society. We're a more divided society. It's not creating anything that's good. It's bringing in incredible destructions that are only a part of that. And it's worth just understanding that. Add to that. 
There are those who say, well, what we really need to do is kind of pursue kind of a communist thought that everybody is treated the same. And and I just want to tell you, hey, that doesn't go well either. If anybody tries to use this passage or passages in the scriptures to affirm that, you would do so to your own detriment. It's not that. It's not affirming kind of a social uh, justice. It's not affirming kind of a way of doing it because it doesn't go well. Look at any nation that has adopted such things and understand it's just destructive. Well, pausing on that, not going down any further on that road. Some of you could go so much further, but I want to just turn it to a different way and just tell you, hey, what the world is longing for is only found in Christ. There is a good desire. There is a hunger for justice and righteousness and equality that is only found in Jesus. I think about it this way, where he tells us in Galatians, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Hey, those things which divide our world, some of it being racial, some of it being those things, kind of Jew or Greek, he says, when we come to Christ, it's all down. At the foot of the cross, there's only one people, and they're the people of God. Hey, when it comes to coming to Christ, whether you're rich or poor, We come to Christ the same way. And at the foot of the cross, we find just this space of of equal standing. Hey, when it comes to gender, which there's only two, by the way, male or female, hey, even that's level at the foot of the cross. So anything that divides finds itself in this place where in Christ we have this, but it's only found in Christ. There's a oneness that is in Christ. So let me try to say it this way. Maybe you're here this morning and you're not yet a follower of Jesus. And maybe you really are moved by this. You, you hear the calls of equality and the hear calls of justice and, and you feel like it should be that way. Like it should be, like people should be treated equal. I mean, there shouldn't be these radical divides. If you feel that, that's a good feeling. But you're never gonna find the answer to that in the world. Everything the world is doing is only making that worse. What you're hungry for is Jesus. What you're hungry for is a space that in Christ we come and say, you know what? Rich, poor, American, Iranian, Palestinian, Jewish, Chinese, we come to Christ the same way. And if we would believe upon Jesus, we all have the same access to Jesus. I don't have any greater access than you do. You you have the same standing that I have in Christ if you're a follower of Jesus. And if you don't have that today, we're calling you to what would only satisfy if you are in him. I just want to remind you of it. I want to remind you that you have what everybody else longs for, that there's a place in Christ where we find ourselves in this incredible oneness, and so he's inviting us to see that. So kind of taking away the hot button topic, taking away that word for a moment, understand this, he's telling us this, and he's encouraging us to live that out in the way that we even handle our money. Now, when he speaks about this, he is not primarily speaking of dealing with the poor though there might be some application there, but it's not what he's talking about. He's talking about missions. He's talking about having a heart for what God is doing in the entire planet. So back up with me and just understand, what is Paul doing right now? Well, Paul is over here up in this upper territory, up in Macedonia, up in Archaea. These are Gentile territories where the gospel is being found. Corinth is this little city right here that this letter is being written to, and he's taking up an offering. He's taking up an offering that they're going to take back to the church in Jerusalem. Why? Not because it's like the home church or anything like that, but because the persecution is affecting them in such great ways. One of the prophets in the book of Acts, tell Agabus, showed by the Spirit that there was going to be a great famine throughout the whole world, which happened in the days of Claudius Caesar. Then the disciples, each according to his ability, determined to send relief to the brethren dwelling in Judea. Persecution was rampant in Israel, that rejection firm uh, to become a follower of Jesus cut you off from family and sometimes jobs and, and any kind of way of living. And so they're truly hurting. The church is truly hurting in that area. So as Gentiles get saved, they're like, man, we care. Boy, you're hurting over there. We'd like to help. Uh, we'd like to be a part of that. We'd like to respond to that. And so that's what's happening. It's this space that is having a heart for the whole body of Christ and that which is happening around the world. So he invites them to see that. In fact, he uses a really cool illustration. Go back and see it. Verse 15. 
as it is written that he who gathered much had nothing left over. He who gathered little had no lack. This is a reference to what happened in the book of Exodus. Some of you, most of you know the story, if not quickly reminding you, God carried the children of Israel out of Egypt through the wilderness for 40 years. And for 40 years, he fed them every day by a substance called manna. Every day, on the ground, this thin, lafer-like you know, kind of bread they could go out and get. And they would gather that manna, and it would be bread for the day. It would be manna for the day. But there was a few things that you had to understand. For starters, you couldn't hoard it. Manna only lasted a day. So if you tried to keep it for another day, it bred worms and stank. I mean, it just it didn't do any good. It was like, okay, so manna had only one purpose, which was for that day meeting those needs. And, and so the call was, hey, to, to, to share. Like if you gathered much, it's like, well, I have more than I need. Who needs it? Because it's not going to last, you know, another 12 hours. And, and so the, the picture of it was as it came in, everybody was there. What was not shared was wasted. Now, we could spend a bunch of time on it, but I just want to leave it with you enough just to simply say, that's a pretty good description of money. You're not taking it with you. I don't know how much longer we have. Maybe Jesus is coming back this week. And when he comes back, your bank accounts stay here. Your money stays here. And so there's a temporary nature to it. I mean, what, what is not used while we're here, it's, it's going to be wasted. God is not asking that we would be impoverished or that we would ever get that. I mean, he simply says that, you know, in a very simple way. He says in verse 13, I, I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened. I'm not asking you to, you know, not take care of yourself or, or not, you know, supply the needs that are there. He says, but in verse 14, by equality that now at this time your abundance may supply their lack and that their abundance may supply your lack that there might be equality. The sad reality is that we live in days and again, just much more we could talk about, but even for many Christians that they die with way too much money and sadly, with the way our government works, a lot of those kind of inheritance taxes the government gets and it's kind of like, well, that, you, you could have done something different with that. God's not asking you to, you know, not take care of yourself. He says, when your needs are met, hey, you should be thinking, God, what can I do with this? What can I do with, you know, now that my needs are met, now that my family's taken care of, where would that be? You know, what, what's happening in the world that would ask me to say, I, I, I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of what that is. And so that's what he's asking. And you may be aware of this, but I'll try to say this in a very simple way. This is lacking in our world in huge ways, in unique spaces that it just has not been this way to the extent that it is right now. We live in America, and we are the most wealthy church in the world. And in the last you know, hundreds of years, because of our wealth, we have blessed the world in some incredible ways with the gospel. It is happening less and less and less. So think about it this way, just according to stats, in America, about $700 billion is raised almost yearly for Christian causes, which, by the way, is just about the same amount that Americans spend on Christmas. But hey, whatever that's worth, uh, bonus. Um, but that $700 billion is, is raised, and out of that, 96%, almost 97% of it stays in, just in, in our region, stays you know, affecting churches and, and spaces in the midst of that. Only 2.9% goes to other spaces that are really, you know, that are already have the gospel pretty well there, but we're supporting works in the midst of that. Only 0.3% is going into the, to, to, to some of those unreached territories that are actually being able to do that. Only 0.1% is going to the most difficult spaces in our world. And without spending a bunch more time, I just want to tell you, it just shouldn't be that way. Like we've become so much more selfish. Now, as much as I can just tell you a little bit about what's here, we're definitely not boasting. We don't think about it that way. In fact, we're very aware uh, that we need to grow. But at the same point, we just want to make sure you know that our intention here as a church is to go different than that. And so maybe you already know, but as a church, we're supporting 32 different ministries. Some of them are local. 
Uh, we support the Homeless Coalition. We support the Harvest Ministries. We support, you know, the, the Pregnancy Counseling Center here in our town. Those are good spaces. But the majority of what we do as a church goes beyond, uh, that we are trying to look and say, where's God moving? Where's the gospel going forward? Where do we do that? And you're doing that. Again, I just want to tell you, this isn't something we're asking you. We're telling you what you're doing. And so, again, just trying to make it plain. If you give here, um, our servant board that oversees this tries to evaluate this, and we try to figure out how much we can give away. Right now, 21% of what comes in here goes there, that we say, okay, support somebody. Let's find out what God's doing around the world. Let's be a part of that. Now, if this makes sense, great. If it confuses, I apologize. But these are things we commit to. So every single month, every single month, checks go to these pieces and the amount that we've committed to doing. But giving is fluctuating always different than that. So many times it's more. But we still decide, hey, 21% goes away. We're going to always give away that 21%. And so one of the things that our servant board does is then say, okay, where where, where are things happening? Where's something happening that we could be a part of? And I just thought it would be fun that I get to tell you about it right now. Two of those groups that we're supporting right now are in Israel, and and we are very aware that in our moment, that's where a lot of things, there's a war happening there, and it has devastated the economy there, it's devastated businesses, it's devastated families there, and so we're a part of that in monthly giving, but this week our servant board met, we just thought we'd get a chance to tell you that you are, are, are doing more. You just sent over this week, we're sending $10,000. We sent $5,000 to uh, one for Israel and another $5,000 to Joshua Fund. You're doing that because we're trying to do this. We're trying to do this very thing that's saying, hey, where's their need? Where are those spaces we could do that? And we love being a part of that. We invite you to have such heart that it would be, hey, you don't have to give it through us. You could give it directly to those spaces. But where you see God moving, hey, that's what Paul's saying. Hey, we get to be a part of this thing that is the fellowship of the saints. We get to say, hey, I'm a part of the body of Christ worldwide. Good piece of advice. Good piece of advice. Well, leave that there. He has another piece of advice that in the midst of this is worth us understanding. He says it this way in verse 16, but thanks be to God who puts the same earnest care for you into the heart of Titus, not only that he accepted the exhortation, but me being more diligent, he went to you of his own accord. We have sent him with the brother whose praise is in the gospel throughout all the churches. Not only that, but he was also chosen by the churches to travel with us with this gift, which is administered by us to the glory of the Lord himself and to show your ready mind, avoiding this that anyone should blame us in this lavish gift, which was administered by us, providing honorable things, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men. We have sent with them our brother who we have often, who's often proved diligent in many things, but now much more diligent because of the great confidence we have in you. If anyone inquires about Titus, he is my partner and fellow worker concerning you. Or if our brethren are inquired about, they are messengers of the churches for the glory of Christ. Therefore, show them, and before the churches, uh, just the proof of your love and the boasting on your behalf. So good section, but let's just articulate it this way. Hey, be wise. Be wise in how you give. You know, I wish I didn't have to say what I'm about to say, but I absolutely have to say it. The sad reality is that there are crooks that would rip you off in our world, and there are crooks that would rip you off in the church. Anytime there is benevolence, anytime there is a compassionate desire, there are always somebody trying to figure out how to rip you off. I mean, you've seen the news. Maybe you saw the article a while back that said there were $400 billion missing out of the COVID funds that were sent, that, you know, $280 billion were stolen. Another 123 billion misstent, and that's probably an under guess. I mean, it's one of those spaces you sit there and think, okay, wherever there's a lot of money going, somebody is looking at it and thinking how to get rich. And I wish it was only in the world. I, w- I mean, I, I still grieve over it. Surprises me how just devious people are. They can try to come up with ways to rip people off. And if it was just in the world, I would be sad. But that it's in the church grieves me greatly. But God clearly warns us about this. Let me just show you a number of verses so you can make sure it's not just one space. It says in 2 Peter chapter 2, there were also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you inside the thing of Christianity, calling themselves Christians. They have their heart 
trained in covetous practices. Like they're looking and thinking, how do I get money out of you? I mean, I'm trying to figure out how to get your money. They're accursed children. They have forsaken the right way and gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. Like they love money. Tells us in Romans, for those are such who do not serve our Lord Jesus, but their own belly. Like they're in it for their own self. They're in it for their own just getting things. By smooth words and flattering speech, they deceive the hearts of the simple. Paul would say it in Timothy. They're useless wranglings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth who suppose that godliness is a means of gain, who think if you're really godly, you should be wealthy. He says, stay away from them. Stay away from them. Stay away from the prosperity teachers, prosperity doctrine, we'd say it that way. Hey, stay away from them. He would tell us in Titus, whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole houses, teaching things which they ought not, but they do it for money. They do it for the sake of dishonest gain. Wish it wasn't that way. I wish it wasn't that way, but it is. So in this space of giving advice, can I take what Paul says it here and put it in the realm of four pieces of advice? Hey, if you're going to give, if you're looking at our world and you're thinking, hey, my needs are met and I would like to be blessing other people in need, and I want to figure out how to do that, four things he tells us that would be helpful. First and foremost, make sure it really is about the gospel. You give it there, and as he looks at it there in verse 18, he says it this way. He says, and we have sent him with a brother whose praise is in the gospel throughout all the churches. He says that we're sending people, we're sending people to take up this offering, to be a part of this offering, and what, what, they're, what they are about, what, what they're known for is the gospel. It might sound simplistic, but why would you give your money to something that isn't doing the gospel? Why would you give your, your money into an organization that isn't about telling people about Jesus? And, and the true gospel, uh, the gospel, not the prosperity gospel. Why would you not take that into heart? Hey, if you're going to do something in our world, and if you're concerned about things that are happening in our world, it should be a priority that you're asking, are they pointing to Jesus? I mean, yes, I want to care for the poor. Yes, I want to help people in our world that are needy, but not, I, I'm more concerned about their soul. And, and so whatever we're doing, it needs to have the salt of the gospel. It needs to have that. Make sure that what you're doing is gospel-oriented, that it is doing that. Secondly, make sure it's administered without blame. So Paul's talking about how this gift is being uh, collected and, and he's talking about this man who, who has that praise. And in verse 19, he says, not only that, but who was also chosen by the churches to travel with us with this gift. And here's this recognition, this people who are kind of you know, put in that place of, of, of doing that by recognition, which is administered to, by us to the glory of the Lord himself and to show your, your ready mind, avoiding this, that anyone should blame us in this lavish gift, which is administered by us. One of the things that you want to make sure anywhere you give is that it's administered well. Uh, you know, I mean, for us, these are the kinds of things we ask as, as a church and as a servant team. When we think about it, we're often asking. It's like, okay, is there a board? Are there people who are overseeing this? I want to make sure I'm not just giving it and somebody's family is overseeing this. I want to, I want to know that there's something that it's handled well, that there are people who are recognized and, and, and who, are, who are good, and, and there's, there's, a, there's a space of that because, boy, there's danger, uh, of any one person having that kind of power over money. And so there's a place that you ought to be able to say, okay, is it being administered without blame? Is there a place that they are saying we're doing it well? Add to that, is it honorable? Is it honorable before God and men? That's what he says in verse 21. He says, providing honorable things, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men. Kind of says what it just said before, but it's just worth knowing. Hey, if it's pleasing to God, that should be the most important thing. But it should be pleasing to even people that we would recognize it is this. And maybe I'm trying to say the most simple thing, but I want to say it as clear as I can. Why would you even think about giving, if you are, to some of these prosperity teachers that their very way of handling money is dishonorable? It's dishonorable to our world. 
I mean, I don't know if you understand that. I mean, I, was, I, was, I saw this article, and I went back and tried to find it. I lost it, but it was one of these, like, silly articles that somebody had posted this week, and it said, hey, 10 ways, you know, to you know, survive in the midst of this, you know, terrible economy. And, and, and way number one was become a, you know, a television evangelist so that the poor people would supply you a private jet to fly in. And, and it's just one of these things, and you sit there and think, you know, if it, if it wasn't so true, it would be tragic. But it is true. We have people who, in the name of Jesus, millionaires, multiple millionaires, living in huge mansions, flying around in private jets, and I just want to tell you, our world dishonors that. Why would you give to that? It should be a space that you would like, that's dishonorable. Like, that doesn't even, that that doesn't carry the honor of Christ. I'm not going to support that. I personally don't, and I just want to say, I love you. Please don't. You know, I mean, just I love you. Like, you, you should be able to say, that, that, that is not pleasing to God. That is not a good use of money. That's not, what, why would I contribute to that? Add to that, maybe one more. Is it commendable? Paul's able to look on this, and as he says, not only are they trying to do this in an honorable way, but he says there in verse 22, we have sent with them our brother, who we have often proved diligent in many things, but now much more diligent because of the great confidence we have in you. And if anybody's asking, so who is, I mean, is this guy commended? Is he recognized? He says, yes, Titus, he's my partner and my fellow worker. And if our brother, if you're asking about those who are going with them, yeah, they're messengers of the churches. It's one of those simple things that if you're trying to figure out maybe whether you're gonna give to an organization, you should be able to look and say, okay, who's commending them? I mean, who's saying, hey, this is a good organization? I look for it all the time. I just want to know. I want to know that somebody smarter than I am has looked into it. You should do that as well. So how would you do that? Well, you know, most of you are fairly savvy on the internet. You can do that, but I'll give you two sites uh, that might be worth your just noting if you want to take a picture of it or you want to write them down. If you're trying to figure out what organizations to give through, I would say Charity Navigator is a pretty good one. Uh, It will go through and try to navigate. You know, do they have a board? Are there people who are handling the money? How much is being spent on administration? Here's the scary thing. Maybe you already know this. There are charities out there that if you give to them, only like 3% of what you give actually gets to the cause. Most of it is siphoned off by those who are administering the money. And that's a terrible thing. You should be able to say, so how much of what I give actually gets there? How much, if if I'm given a dollar, how much of that dollar is actually gonna meet that need? You should ask those questions. That's a good space. Ministry Watch is another one that does not only that, but also kind of evaluates, you know, are there mishandling it? Is there, you know, doctrinal weird stuff in the midst of that? Hey, it's good spaces for you to think through. I just want to simply say that's a good space. And to that, I thought I would just try to answer those questions for us a tiny bit. So maybe you give here. And we do our giving here differently. We don't collect an offering. We talked about that last week. We'll probably talk about that more next. Uh, We just have boxes. Uh, offering boxes, agape boxes that you can give, or you can give online or however that works. But a few things we just want you to understand. We do our best to administer this well. So maybe you've noticed, never is the money ever here collected by one person. It's always at least two people, and we even rotate that so that there's not just two of the same people because that could get dangerous. It's always collected by at least two people. It's counted. It's then put into the account, and then it's administered by our servant board. Our servant board looks on this, and they, they, they designate where the money goes and how that flows out. Again, kind of that, that 21% in the midst of it. We agree on all of it. There's never a decision that we don't make that it's not a universal decision, just all of us agreeing. And on top of that, money is never distributed unless there's at least two signatures. Uh, We just never do it. I mean, we never want to have one person having that kind of control. We just think those are good checks and balances. And we have more, but we just want to tell you, hey, we're trying. We want to administer what God gives us honorably. We want to do so in a way that we hope that you would look on and say, hey, that that makes me, I'm comfortable with that. Uh, and if, you're, if you have questions about it, you can ask any one of our servant team members. We'd love to kind of help that. But again, it just gives us a space of saying, hey, that's what we actually want to be a part of. We don't want to be a part of the stuff that the Bible tells us would happen. The false teachers. We don't want that to be what we're contributing to. That's not where we want to go. So let's add one more piece of advice and we'll close this morning. And that piece of advice is that we want to do this to the glory of God. Yeah, we already read it, but would you notice it again? That's what he said there in verse 19. He says, not only that, but he who was also chosen by the churches to travel with us with this gift, which is administered by us. 
to the glory of the Lord himself. I like those words. I just like those words. Hey, this is, this is for God. This is to his honor, to his glory. It goes on and says it this way in verse 23. It says, if anyone inquires about Titus, he is my partner and fellow worker concerning you. Or if our brethren are inquired about, they are messengers. They're representatives of the churches, the glory of Christ. The churches, yeah, they're the glory of Christ. This is what makes it so exciting. Boy, this is what gets it so good. You guys know this is Christmas, right? This is that Christmas season, and you will probably read or think through that announcement that the angels give there at the birth of Jesus, where they'll say, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace, goodwill towards men. Hey, God be glorified. This is God's glory. This is God's incredible good work that God so loved the world that he's sending his son. This is his amazing thing. Jesus would say it this way, that He's building his church, and the gates of Hades would never prevail against it. That's true. And I want you just to think about it this way. Part of what giving is and what it gets to be a part of when it's done right is that's what I get to be a part of. I get to be a part of what Jesus is doing. And Jesus is saving people all around the world today. Hey, you know what is is the glory of God today is that Christ is working and Christ is saving and Christ is bringing people into that. In fact, if you're here this morning and again, you're outside of that, we just wanna tell you, this is the incredible, glorious good news. God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten son that if you would believe, you could have life. I mean, and if you would have life, you would become a part of the church, which is the glory of Christ which we get to say, hey, you know what it is to be a part of the church is, is, is Christ is amazing. Jesus is beautiful. Jesus is life. And if you don't know that today, we're inviting you to it. But if you know that, that's what we get to be a part of. And it's one of the reasons we give. We give in that sense so that we think about it and do it, but we wanna be a far part of the fellowship. We wanna say, I wanna be a part of what Jesus is doing in the world. I want to be you know, partnering wherever that is. I want to be a part of what he's doing. Therefore, I'm going to make sure I'm not going to give to stupid things because I, that's not going to honor Christ. I'm going to honor him in my giving because he is gloriously good and he's doing a work today. And maybe you see it. Maybe as I'm trying to say this well, he could make it more clear to you than I could say, this is the best thing ever. Jesus is glorious. Jesus is the glory of Christ. What he is doing today is good. It's here. It's around the world today. People are coming to Christ today. And this is about over. We're about done. Jesus is going to come back. And at the end of the day, that's the most important thing. That's the reality that shapes us, holds us, is us. And boy, that's where he invites us to be excited about, be involved in. And we just are inviting you to the glory of Christ. We're inviting you to say, I want to be a part of that. Like, that's my life. I mean, I'm, I want to be in, and then I want to make sure that, yeah, I want to see what that looks like and participate in that however God would let me do. I simply invite you to that. So you can close your Bibles, your notebooks, this advice that we've brought this morning, but again, I hope you hear it. Not as my advice, but as God, who would simply say, I want to give you some advice about your giving. Hey, it's good to be willing. Make sure you do it. It's, a, it's partnering in the body of Christ. It's a fellowship of the saints. But be wise. Don't give foolishly. Don't, don't support those who don't represent Jesus. Because this is glorious. Jesus is glorious. He is doing good and glorious things. May he invite us to be a part of that. Should I invite you, wherever that is, that you take a moment to pray for that? Maybe you're outside of this right now. Maybe you, you're not a part of what Jesus is doing. And we want to tell you it's good. And as we take a moment to pray, maybe you'd want to surrender and say, Jesus, I I long for this. I long for what we talked about a moment ago, that equality, that space where that we find ourselves just brought into a space of, at the foot of Jesus, just life found, joy found. Hey, Jesus is great. He is glorious. We long that you'd hear it. We should invite you to that. And if you're his, maybe that's how you see your life. Maybe it's what you see yourself involved in. Maybe you're aware that you're involved in something that is global, that isn't a single organization, it's Jesus. And maybe you're excited about it, but I'm not gonna invite you to be. And to say, Lord, that's what I'm a part of today.
that's what I want to be. I want my life lived there. I want my prayers, my hopes, my dreams, my support to go into those things because I want to see Jesus glorified. Would you just take a moment, talk to him about that? I'll do the same. And then we're going to close together in worship in just a moment. Jesus, you are glorious. You are beautiful. What you've done is beautiful. We celebrate it in taking communion this morning. We think about it even now. Your life given to rescue and save. God, I I pray for those right now that are outside of this. In the confusion that is our world, the mess that it's continuing to just move just in destruction in. God, you're, you're God who rescues. I thank you for the gospel. Thank you for the good news of Christ. And I pray that right now you would rescue these here. You'd help them know that they're on the outside looking in. And I pray that they would be drawn to you in a powerful way today. God, for those of us who are yours, we are a part of this. We are a part of the church, which is the glory of Christ. Help us to be a part of it. In every way, Lord, even as we talk about giving and, and what that looks like, and, and you know the, the value, you know the place that you place on that in your word, the good space of it is, but God, we want to be a part of what you're doing in this world. Would you show us? Would you lead us? Would you guide us? And would you be glorified? Would the, the work of Christ just go forward, even us being a part of it? We ask for more of that in our world today, and we thank you for what you are doing as we trust all of this now to you. We do that together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. May God meet you in that. May he show you how good and glorious Jesus is and invite you again to be participants in that and joy in that. You have questions? We're here. We'd love to talk to you about Jesus. We'd love to be a part of it. But let's stand and just think about the glory of Christ, celebrating that together as we do so. Uh, as we do that, I just want to bless you in his name. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.